Hey, Mom. How's everybody doing? Hey, uh, if you're joining us from our Edgewood campus or our Bel Air campus or here at our Mountain Road campus or online, um, you might be um, one of those dyed-in-the-wool, tried-and-true, die-hard mountain people. You love this place. You're on a journey with God, and this is the place you do that. Or you might be brand new and you're trying to check it out or find your way back to God. Or you might not be sure at all about any of this. Uh, you might be tired out in your faith. You might be checking it out. You might be ready to go all out. Whoever you are, welcome to God's frat party. Welcome to God's frat party. There you go. That's a little better. We're going to have some fun with it. It's a simple way of packaging a really important idea, and it's getting a little buzz on creativity around here. We did it about eight or eight years ago, and it was fun for us then, and I think important for us. It's been catching on a little. Uh, in fact, uh, James Ballard, our communication director, called and said we're going to redo all the pictures on our website, which was, and so I went ahead and took a new staff picture, just kind of keep with the theme. I think we have a picture of what's on the, the website. So <laughs> just uh, keep it with the theme a little bit, but... So as not to be distracting, especially to the ladies, I am going to wear one of the new t-shirts, God's Frat Party t-shirts, which you can also pick up today. They're 10 bucks, and um, you can wear them around as a conversation starter, as a way for people to say, what is that? And you can say, I'm glad you asked. Let me tell you about it. And you'll be able to say a lot after today and the next couple of weeks, I think especially, um, as a way of just talking about uh, what's going on here in your life and at Mountain, Okay. So, um, yeah, I, I'm actually glad we have the shirts because, frankly, the toga thing's been getting kind of carried away. Went into staff meeting. Well, here's what I saw in staff meeting. Carla and Kelly showed up with that. It's like a dress code violation for our staff handbook, so we got to deal with that now. And here was, here was worship uh, practice this Thursday night with Eric and Kirk and Malik. That's an actual photo of, of those real people. You probably know already that that's not really the kind of frat party we're talking about where you've got to hang out in an old rundown house wearing a toga with a bunch of college kids. Um, in fact, um, I know there's probably some of you who are proud members of a fraternity that you were a part of and you made some great friends and it was a good experience. You're proud to wear your, you know, Delta Epsilon key or whatever it is. And, uh, but I have to say, I was never a part of a college frat or a, sor or a sorority for that matter. And... Um, but I think I'm probably not different from a lot of us that we probably have somewhat of a negative image of a frat and a frat party particularly. They're known for being kind of loud, raucous places, kind of insincere, cliquish groups where there's hazing rituals to get in that are always get people in trouble and um, people do things at these stupid wild parties that they usually later regret and all of that. I know there's a lot of negative around it. And yet this word fraternity is a really good word. It's a very rich, deep word. It literally just means brotherly. And it stands for a special kind of group of people who are, who are connected around common convictions, a shared loyalty, and a deep mission. That's really what the word frater fraternal connected people that's what that means. And that now sounds a little bit more like our stuff, doesn't it? That sounds a little bit more like something that God might care about. And if you just imagine, what would it be like if God had a frat party? What would it be like if he were really in charge? And 
you, that would mean, well, you don't have to be part of the in crowd or you don't have to wear a stupid beanie or have a secret handshake. It would be a different kind of vibe. He would be the one welcoming them at the door and saying, you can get in because of him and it would have a completely different purpose to it. What we're talking about with God's frat party is that anyone who believes in Jesus and has trusted Christ as Savior and Lord for the forgiveness of their sins and wants him in their life on a daily basis can, can come and say, you're a part of this thing, this movement of God's people. Now, once you're in, like any frat, there are some expectations, some shared, some shared convictions and core practices that are going to mark out this fraternity. If you want to be a Jesus follower, it means something in your life. And so we, that's what we want to talk about, particularly not just looking at our faith as something that sort of says, I'm going to live with Jesus someday, but no, I live with Jesus today. And then what are the core convictions, the core practices that really mark that out in my life? And are you living them out? Are, they, are you letting them into you? So here's a look at the three Greek letters. We'll put them on the screen. You can also see them on my shirt. There they are. And they have names for them, the letters, like we would say A, B, C, D. Well, the Greek letters in that alphabet have names, and here they are. Kappa, Delta, Pi. Why don't you say them with me? Kappa, Delta, Pi. One more time. That's God's frat. Kappa Delta Pi. Each of those letters is the first letter of a very rich, deep word in our scriptures, which were originally written in Greek. And those three words come right out of the heart and mouth of Jesus as descriptors for what it really means to be God's people, to be a Christ follower. And so we're going to look at each of those. Kappa Delta Pi. And as we do look at each of these words that embodies our Christian faith, each of us is invited to just examine your life and say, am I living this out? How is it going? Am I, am I living up to the promises? Let me just say, if you're brand new to the faith, let's say this is all brand new. It can be very overwhelming, and sometimes we wonder, you know, how do I get started? How do I move? Where, where am I too late to the game? And, or maybe you've been taking a spiritual vacation for a long time, and now for whatever reason you're like trying to find your way back to God. This is a perfect time for you to come in, and, and we're going to talk together about some things that I think will help you make your first steps. Maybe you've been in the fraternity so long uh, that your toga sags. You're just an old-timer, a veteran. Let me tell you what, we all need a refreshing sense of invitation to what matters most about our faith as well, don't we? We do. And that's what this can be for you. But I can promise you this, if you will commit yourself to, to these core convictions and practices, I promise it will radically change your life. If you will invite them into your soul at a deep level and go after them, it will move you from darkness to light. It will move you from self to others. It will move you from God out there to Jesus alive in here. It will move you from weakness to strength. It will move you from fear and worry to faith it's a game changer but you've got to decide if you're going to go all in on it like anything else in life god can't do all of this without our participation we can't do anything without his help it's a partnership god's ready the invitation is open the question is are you in the frat or not
Let's talk about what the letters are and what they represent. That first letter, do you remember what it's called again? Kappa. Kappa stands for a word in the Greek New Testament called koinonia. You say, what's that? It's all Greek to me. Well, it's Greek to everyone. It's a Greek word. Here, let's say it together. Koinonia. Koinonia. That's right. Koinonia. The simplest way to define that word would be by the phrase deep fellowship. Deep fellowship. Think of, think of um, just relationships that matter. Building each other up. Following after Jesus in the company of friends because you can't do this alone. That's koinonia. It was all over the New Testament. Think of taking a dime, putting it in between your knees, and then waddling like in a race. Koinonia. Koinonia. That, you'll never forget it. Okay? That's how it is. That's what the church is, a bunch of rich fellowship like that. Kappa, what's the second letter? Anybody from physics remember this from math class, right? The delta, the change, the D, the difference, right? Well, that's what it is, delta. And the Greek word that it is the first letter of, the D sound there, is the word doulos. Everybody say doulos. Doulos. Not doula, but doulos. And it simply means slave or servant. Slave or servant is what a doulos is. And it's simply the reminder that because of his death on the cross, Jesus Christ can set me free from my own sin, so I'm no longer a slave to sin, but now I'm a slave to Jesus, and that means I'm really free. And one of the things I'm free to is to find purpose in my life by being a servant to other people as well. And so this, this is a really reorienting way of thinking about life, to be a slave to Christ and a servant to other people. We're going to dig into that. Kappa, Delta, and what's left? Pie. Not peach pie, not apple pie, not meringue pie, but this pie, right? It, um, it looks like the Double T Diner logo. It's not. It's the letter pi. If you remember math class, 3.141, blah, 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 that number, that's the same designation. It's the P sound in the Greek alphabet, and it's the first letter of this word, which we'll put in verb form, proskuneo. Proskuneo. Try it. Proskuneo. That's right. Proskuneo. Simply stated, it's such a broad, deep word, it's impossible to define in only a few English words. But if I had to try, I would probably say something like this. It just simply means to worship. It's the posture toward God that says, I love you so much that I want you in my life in a full way. It's not a perfunctory sort of obedience to God only without heart and feeling and everyday life involvement, but it is a relationship like a deep well that goes down so that it bubbles up back out through your life. This worship of God where I just love God with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's all behind this simple idea of proskuneo. Kappa, delta, pi. Say it with me. Kappa stands for koinonia, doulos, proskuneo. Not bad. Some of you are already getting an A. This rich fellowship, slave to Christ, servant to others, and loving God with everything I am is the thing that are the really core convictions that Jesus teaches us are at the center of what it means to follow him. And every one of us is invited to do it. And I hope that you will. Hope you'll commit to that. Now, with the rest of our time today, I'd like to kind of talk about a couple of deep human questions that everyone has. I think that we all wrestle with at some level and try to remind us how this frat party stuff we're talking about speaks to 
those deep human questions. One of the fundamental questions that everybody has, whether you're in sixth grade or 67 years old and everyone else in between, is this question about, you know, where do I fit in in life? I mean, do I really belong anywhere? Does anyone really love me? I mean, deep down, despite what people say and what we experience, sometimes we wonder, do I, am I ever really accepted somewhere? Am I truly welcome? And to these fundamental questions, I mean, this, is, this is actually drives a lot of our quest in life, those questions. And to that question, God's frat party gives a resounding answer. And the answer is, yes, you can belong. You can belong. You can belong. You can belong. And I hope that you choose to belong. I, I had an old friend who, practically every time he saw me, he used to say when we were done talking or whatever and taken off, he'd say, okay, well, see you later. And then his little joke would be, he'd say, see you in church if you sit by the window. See, he wasn't much of a church guy. and He knew I was. That was his funny way of saying Hey, see you later. See you in church. Of course, the only way I'd ever see you in church is if you sat by the window and I happened to be walking by on the outside. Because I think he felt like an outsider. And I think a lot of us feel that way in a lot of places in life where we're just on the outside. Like we don't fit in, like they probably don't need us or want us or care about us. I think especially a lot of people feel that way about the church. And it's possible that maybe some people feel especially that way about this church. I mean, if you're an outsider and new to the church or looking at it from the outside, I mean, one of the least interesting things about Mountain is how large it is, but for an outsider, it's one of the most dominant things. It's like, oh, it's so big. And, and it maybe feeds this question of, wow, would I ever really belong or could I know people and would I be okay there? And also, there's all this stuff about churches where we kind of assume if I did kind of go there, it's, a, it's filled with a bunch of holier-than-thous who are kind of looking down their nose at everybody, you know. People who, if I went there, they'd look at me and they'd know, they'd say, oh, wait a second, you're a mess-up, you're a foul-up. This place is reserved for a people who are just a little bit more superior than you. Or we ourselves know how much guilt we feel or bad about ourselves, or we know our past regrets, mistakes, and sins, and we don't want to really, you know, just be bombarded with that. We feel like if we went to, the, to try to become an insider, um, Jesus himself would be at the door saying, wait a second, I know what you've done, and bounce us right back out again. Or even when we try to join, some of us just struggle to fit in, or it's awkward, or we just have insecurity or social weirdness about us, and we just don't know. Life can be hard. It can be lonely. But there's all this stuff when we feel like outsiders. So you know what? I just want to help you see, you know, to all of the outsiders and outliers, to all, of the, to all the nobodies and the goofballs and the oddballs and the somebodies and the I'm no goods and the I'm too goods and everyone else in between, God's frat party really is different. And you can belong. You can belong. There's a place it is your place. It's the place you're meant to find the answer to that very question that all of us have is, where do I fit? The answer is God's family. I was talking to Nathan McDade, one of our pastors here. He's our campus pastor at Bel Air. You know Nathan. Uh, he went to Georgia Tech. Uh, he studied, he's an engineer by trade. He's a pastor by calling. And uh, 
He was remembering his freshman year there when they had what they call Rush Week, which is when all the fraternities put on their big thing and they, they try to recruit all these kids, you know, to join their fraternities, right? He recalls kind of being torn about whether to join this one fraternity. He, he um, was kind of, he had heard about this Christian group that was there on campus called CCF, Campus Christian Fellowship. He knew that might be a place he'd hook up and do some friends there and so forth. But as he got on campus, he started hanging out with some of these other guys and they were kind of being nice to him, invited him to play ball with them, and um, seemed like they were becoming friends. And so one night, he's at a party with these same guys at a frat house, at their frat house. These guys who had been so nice and so forth. And then one of them says, hey, Nathan, it's time to go upstairs. He's like, what? Because he goes upstairs with a bunch of guys. They go in this bedroom, and there the lights are out, and there's one little light on in the room, and there's this desk, and there's this guy in a suit and tie, the head of the fraternity, sitting behind the desk, and everything got real serious, and they start putting this big pressure on him to join the fraternity. They're like, here's how it is, McDade. This is the place you need to be. We're, your, we're the people you need to hang out with, and they talk all about how great their, their fraternity is. We're, we're your people. We're, we're all academics. We're smart. We're all, we're all athletes. We got all the pretty girls. We got all the best parties. Not everybody gets invited, but we're inviting you. What do you say? And Nathan said he remembered being at other parties there when they would come down the stairs with their arm around some guy, stop the music, and say, hey, this is so-and-so. He's our latest recruit. And everybody high-five and hug him and welcome him. He thought that'd be pretty cool to be included in something like that. What do you say, McDade? Are you in or not? And he said he just, he just felt he didn't feel good about it. He just felt like it was kind of phony or something, and it wasn't genuine, and he didn't trust it, and he just didn't know that it was what he, he said. Ah, I don't know, and they put more pressure on him. He finally just had to walk out and say, I don't think I can do it, guys, and he walked out. He said, boy, after that, the relationship with those friends really cooled off. <laughs> so they hardly paid any attention to him at all, and they kind of went their separate ways, and he did find his way back to that Christian fellowship group on campus bunch of more ordinary people that were just trying to find their way with God at college, and it was a completely different kind of place. He said it was a community where everyone was welcome. There was no pressure. There was no entrance sort of screening requirements. It wasn't an exclusive club. No click going on. In fact, they kind of looked out for people who weren't standouts and stars and studs. And what made it the most unique is that Jesus was in the center of it. Regardless of where you were with Jesus, because he was there, truly everyone was welcome. And Nathan said, I knew I belonged there. And it was genuine and real. Some of the people were weird, but I loved it. And I just got to thinking about that experience and how much it describes what we're trying to get at here and what we all really long for. And that is a place to know we do belong. And, you know, I just think sometimes about all the places we look to try to fill that question, that longing. Think of what our kids struggle with about friends and you know, where do gangs come from? Why do they even exist? The, the in-group at work or the crowd in our neighborhood, the people at the club, all of this stuff that we go after sometimes. I think sometimes... What we're really looking for is what God intends to provide through a place like God's frat party where we have this shared life with brothers and sisters around these core convictions. It's, it's beautiful when it happens, and we get little snapshots of it even in a place like Mountain. So you're welcome.
Now, I want to just show you one place in Scripture that just brings this to light so much, and I love it. I love this passage. It's Jesus in his early part of his ministry, right? So he's, like, just starting to call people. He's starting to send out his disciples. He's um, teaching truth, and people are paying attention, and they're feeding off of him. One day, he's in a house, and uh, he's teaching truth, and he's, the living room is filled. People are literally spilling out the doors, leaning in the windows, because they sense that Jesus is speaking truth and life, and they're believing this is the Son of God. Now, what's interesting is just a few verses earlier, his biological family, they don't know what to make of Jesus. In fact, they're a little freaked out by this whole thing. And some people are like making over Jesus and his family, his mother and his brothers come up and they go, oh, don't pay any attention to Jesus. We think he's lost his mind. Well, that's his fraternal support right there. His mother and his brothers at that stage in their own faith development didn't believe he was the son of God. They didn't believe he was teaching truth. They weren't feeding on him at all. They're just like trying to cover for him because they think he's nuts. So now when Jesus is in this house and he's kind of grown in this popularity and also his effectiveness, a message comes to Jesus, a little tap on the shoulder and says, hey, Jesus, excuse me, your family's outside wanting to get in. Isn't that interesting? I think that's so interesting. Maybe it's because they saw the crowds and they, they were like, maybe they were trying to shut him up before he embarrassed himself anymore. I don't know. Or maybe now that he was a rock star, they wanted a backstage pass so they could kind of be on the end, you know, special privilege. Like, after all, we're your family, we're your fraternity, we're your brothers and sisters, Jesus. Mark 3, verse 32, crowd was sitting around him and they told him, your mother and brothers are outside looking for you. Should we move and let them in? So you see what's going on here? The who are the true insiders? The people sitting on the floor in front of Jesus, listening and soaking up? Or his fraternity, his family, his earthly brothers outside looking in? And Jesus says in the next verse, verse 33, he asks, wait, who are my mother and brothers? I mean, really, who's, who's in my family? How does that work exactly? Who should be considered my fraternity. Who can belong? Is it those who think they have some right or have been around a while or have some privilege or name or connection somehow? They got, I don't know how they did it, but they got some special ticket. That's how we can feel around the church, around Jesus sometimes. Like it's everyone else gets this backstage pass. Jesus says, no, it's not that way at all. Look at verse 34. Then he looked at those who had come to hear him, those who were seated in a circle around him, and he said, he pointed, and he says, here, here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of God is my brother and my sister and my mother. And do you see, with that, Jesus flung wide open the doors to the family of God, to everyone not just a precious few insider, anyone who comes to Jesus, who sits at the feet of Jesus, who's hungry for Jesus, who wants to say, Jesus, I want to follow your lead and your guide in my life. I want to do the will of the Father. Anyone can belong. You can belong. And Jesus' whole ministry from that day forward was marked by this amazing inclusiveness where he invited the most unlikely of people to be a disciple, part of God's frat party. I mean, think about it. Unclean lepers that were shunned. He's like, no, you too can be included. Nuisance beggars that everybody walked by. Extortionists 
who cheated on people on their taxes. He called them to be his disciples. Adulterous women, liars and thieves, unclean fishermen, big important military people, big highfalutin religious people, and nobodies and convicted criminals hanging on a cross. Everyone was invited in. In other words, people just like me and you get invited in in this frat party and you can belong. So here's what I'm saying to you. If you have ever felt or feel right now to some degree like an outsider on this thing with God, it's time to change that. It's time to change that. And you can change it. You can change that. If you've ever wondered what it would really be like to feel closeness to God, to walk more like Jesus is wanting you to every day. If you've ever wondered if you could be in a group of people where Jesus was somehow part of the conversation and you were trying to work out your faith in everyday, real, gritty life. If you've ever wondered, could I be involved and serve and make a difference in the world using something that I can do and I'm good at that matters? Now's the time to do that. Because the church, this church, is a place where you're welcome, you're wanted, you're needed. Jesus is here. He loves you. He welcomes you. And if you are willing to come to him, sit at his feet, soak him up, and move in his direction in your life, wherever you are, whether it's the first step you've ever taken with Jesus, or the second step, or the fourth step, or the hundredth step, it doesn't matter. You are welcome, and you can belong. That's what God's frat party is about. You can belong. But you've got to decide. No one can do that for you. The other question that this whole exercise is going to help us answer is also something that I think lurks behind our minds and our hearts in every human being. It comes out sometimes like this when I hear people say things like, you know, I just feel stuck in life, like I'm not going anywhere, like in who I am and who I'm becoming. Or, you know, I got baptized, I became a Christian, but I feel like I'm not really developing, like I still have some of the same rottenness inside. Or, I don't feel like I'm moving, growing and changing. Sometimes I think we feel this way because we have misunderstood Christianity. A lot of us have been taught or come to believe that it's sort of like getting your ticket punched to heaven. And that's kind of what the whole thing is about. I'm saved for eternity, but it doesn't really have a difference in my life today. And it's just, that's just completely wrong. And it's not the way it's supposed to be. And if you have that view, you're missing out on so much of what it can mean today. If you're not following Jesus in everyday things, where he's speaking to you and altering your sort of thought and mind and something new is coming into your life. If you're, if you're not growing, you're missing so much. I know so many people who long for that in their life. They, they don't know how or if it can happen. They feel like, is it all up to me? Is it all up to God? How does this work? So, you know, maybe you're like that. Maybe you wonder sometimes, is there more? Could I go deeper? Could I become a different kind of person? Is there hope for me to change? Is there more to my faith? Is there another step for me? If you've ever wondered that, God's frat party and these core convictions and practices can take you to a whole new place. And they give a resounding answer, which is 
Yes, you can grow. You can grow. You can grow. And I hope you will choose to grow. I hope you will decide that you want to grow forward. To decide right now that your faith is going to mature and develop beyond whatever. You may be at the very beginning or not even sure yet. You might be, way, I don't care where you are, but you can grow. And when you grow, that's where the adventure comes in. That's where the stagnation ends and fresh springs of water come into your life and the way you think and feel about everything. When you're growing in your faith, when there's a stretch and there's something exciting. We've come to believe that getting static and stuck is normal. It's not. What's normal and expected from Jesus' perspective is that we'll be in a relationship with him that will continually lead us on some kind of new thing that we're learning, growing, changing from the inside out. You can grow like that. When we're saved, we're meant to be on this path of lifelong transformation where we continually develop, learn, and grow. The problem is we're just so used to being stuck that we think it's normal. It's not. Trust me, you can grow, but you got to decide. It's like a buddy of mine. He's like, um, he's one year clean, and I'm so proud of him. But you know what? It's like we had a conversation. It's like, how did that happen? Do we just, when we're, when we're strung out on heroin, do we say, it's all God. He's got to fix me. Or do we say, it's all me, I'm going to do it on my own? And he would say, it's both. Because if I say it's all God, he's not going to do it against my will. But if I try to do it without his help, I've failed so many times. But it's together, and it's the same way in your spiritual life. Partnership. Let me share a couple scriptures with you that I think are so cool. 1 Peter 2, 2, listen to this. See if this describes you. Like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk. Why? Why are we supposed to be hungry for feeding on the things of God? So you'll grow up into the experience of your salvation. Not, don't, don't, he's not saying you've got to try harder so Jesus will save you. Say, no, no, if you've already been saved, you already come to Jesus, boy, now it's time to crave and go further. Cry out for this nourishment now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness. You've tasted how good Jesus is. Why don't you run toward it? Does that describe your life right now? Does that describe you? How about 1 Corinthians 3? This is the Apostle Paul speaking to people like us. Here's what he says. Oops. Dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would to spiritually minded people. I had to talk to you as though you belonged to this world or as though you were infants in Christ. I had to feed you with milk and not with solid food because you weren't ready for anything stronger. And you still aren't ready, he says, for you're still controlled by your sinful nature. He's just reminding them, man, hey, I was with you a little while ago. I came back and you're still kind of where you were before. It's time to move on. And then he points out some behaviors in their life. When, when a person grows, they look different. I know some people that have been in the church for so long, but they're still kind of the same people. They got the same sin patterns. They got the same issues going on. I just, maybe we need to grow a little. Don't you love how the Bible sometimes comes and puts an arm around you and just says, there, there, comforts you when you're really hurting? And then sometimes it comes along and gives you a big old kick in the buns. Sometimes we need that to grow. How about one more? One more kick in the buns. Ephesians, uh, Hebrews chapter 5, the writer says, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the element. You need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You ought to be a college professor, graduated, and coming back and helping the young ones. But no, you're still f- playing with finger paints. 
You're like babies who still need that milk and can't eat solid food. Anyone who lives on milk is still an infant and does not know how to do what God says is right. But solid food is for those who have grown to be mature, who have learned the difference between good from evil. Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity. So some of us need to move to the, crave the spiritual milk and get started. Some of us have said, I've already been doing that. If you're still on a sippy cup, it's time to move past that to the meat. Wherever you are, it's time to get out of elementary school and start moving forward in the things of the faith because that's where the fun is. That's where the adventure is. Many years ago, our family took in two little black dogs, kind of a rescue sort of situation, cockapoos. They had names when they came to us. My wife's saying I didn't come up with these. Rambo and Jeannie. They became part of our family. We had a lot of fun with them over the years, but they've gotten old, like 15 years old now. They began to slow down, especially Jeannie. Things that used to be really fun for her just seemed like work. She didn't wag her tail about any of the things that used to really bring her joy. Um, she lost a lot of her hearing. I mean, she never was very obedient, but she couldn't hear hardly anymore. She couldn't see things like she used to see. She just kind of lie around a lot. I'd carry her up and down the stairs. Carla had to clean up after her. <laughs> just kidding. We all did. Get me a break. Don't send me emails. Recently, uh, Jeannie stopped eating. It's too much work, just no appetite. Stopped eating. Here's a picture of Jeannie just laying there with her brother standing vigil over her on, on her little Viking blanket. That picture was taken last Friday, and that was the day that Jeannie died. Aw. So she's buried in our backyard with her little Viking blanket around her. And as an aside, condolences to the many of us who understand that God makes these amazing creatures and puts them in our family, these little furry family members, and teaches us so much about love and loss as well, inevitably. And I'm always comforted to remember um, that God sees a sparrow fall somehow. And that means he somehow cared about a little cockapoo named Jeannie. And that reminds us all that he even cares about us especially about us. But my point here is that toward the end of her life, Jeannie's behavior, Jeannie's life was really just not much of a life. <laughs> you know, just like, you just wish she could go back to the way she used to be, where she was healthy and hungry and all of that. She wasn't having much fun. She was just kind of old, tired, laid around a lot, no joy. And the saddest part is that it, that's the way some Christian people live their lives, too. You know, when you think about it, they lay around a lot. They're not on a mission anywhere. The things that used to bring them joy in their faith don't anymore. They don't see fresh opportunities to serve and give and love. They're not hearing a bunch of fresh stuff from God. Some of them need others to carry them around and clean up after them. If you're a Christian and you're not growing, there's just no way to live. There's so much more. So by contrast to that, check out this video. This is a time-lapse video over a period of about nine months of some puppies. And just check out their attitude and their zest for life when it's mealtime, time to eat. Go ahead and watch the screen.
Yeah, you want to clap for dogs? Let's do that. You got to love their zest and their excitement and they're like, ah, I wonder what's for lunch today. You know, it's like, same thing as yesterday, but they're, they're just as excited, you know, as they, as they ever were. I love that. Let me ask you a question. When you're thinking about your life of faith right now, which dog are you more like? Jeannie, who kind of lying around, lost her appetite, can't see in here, or like those pups, craving that spiritual food and growing and changing so others could even see it right before their eyes. You can grow. You can belong in this special frat party where we'll experience together rich fellowship in the service of Christ and the love of God in a way that is a complete game changer. I hope you'll commit to it deeply. Let's pray. God, we're so grateful to you for sending Jesus to invite us into a purpose and a place in our lives that lifts us up out of the mundane and the ordinary. And we, we pray that each of us will invite you in and then work out our faith. Take a step of growth, especially over the next few weeks. And we ask this in Jesus' name.